Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's good, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. It's 2017. It's the Idea of Manhood. It's your boy, Five Mikes. Husband, father, educator, writer, MC. The microphone gives me wings. And I'm so very happy to be with you all once again. Recording live and direct from the stool. <laughs> also known as my basement. You know what I'm saying? Uh, man, it's 2017. It's 2017. We're five days in. Um, you know, New Year's for me is always like, New Year's is my favorite holiday. I say that all the time. Like, New Year's is the time where, you know, even if it's just, you know, even if it's just uh, frivolous, I guess you could say, you know, January 1, even though in the calendar year it's just another day, it's, you know, it's just another winter day, you know, it, it, it feels like newness. It feels like you have another opportunity. It feels like a fresh start. It feels like, you know, you really have new energy to do new things and to just, you know, if you've been looking for motivation to jumpstart a certain change or to do something that you haven't done before that you said you wanted to do, um, you know, starting in a new year seems to make it easier somehow. You know what I'm saying? Whether it is, whatever it is, whether you're trying to lose weight, whether you're trying to you know, do something new, save money, you know, um, plan for something specific. It seems like January 1, like, really is that motivated to help you do it and help you move in that direction. And you know what I really don't like is that over the past few years with the cynicism of the Internet and the cynicism of social media, you know, people, people utilize every possible platform they can to try to downplay some things that are very important to other people. Excuse me, my voice is all jacked up this morning, but, you know, some people utilize any opportunity that they can to be like, well, I don't want to see no messages about New Year, New Me, or, you know, oh, it's just another day. Like, everybody becomes a cynic. That's the thing about social media. It's like everybody becomes cynical and and a pessimist about things that for some people are very important. You know, so I don't downplay anybody that wants to say new year, new me. If that's what you want to do, if that's the motivation you need, the more power to you. Like people are motivated in different ways. And um, if it's a new calendar year for you that motivates you, then congratulations, whatever it is that that motivates you. And if you're a social media cynic, You know, if you're a social media pessimist, if you use every platform that you have to talk about, you know, downplaying the positive things that other people do or downplaying the motivations of, you know, anytime something gets popular on any level, you know, there's going to be a a group of people on social media that, um, you know, that's going to downplay it. Oh, I I don't want to see nothing about Boom, 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 whatever is popping. Oh, I don't want to see anything about da 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 because where were y'all last year? When you know what I'm saying? It's always those people that try to bring up, you know, the fact that like they're better than because they are not doing what the masses are doing. 
you know, um, and and it happens in all forms of media. It's happening in music. It's happening in movies and TV. Like, oh, all these shows talking about this. Where were y'all last year when we were talking about this? It's like, come on, man. Hindsight is always twenty twenty, and people don't recognize that. Um, you know. I just try not to downplay whatever people are doing, whatever people, whatever is going to bring people joy, whatever is going to bring people happiness and and it's going to make them better. Then who are we to downplay it? You know, let people do what they do. If New Year's is their thing, let them have it. So, you know, it's so funny about New Year's because I specifically remember being about 10 years old, being about 10 years old, even younger than that. And thinking, man, in the year 2000, I'm going to be, I think I'm going to be 23. In the year 2000, I'm going to be 23, yo. And I remember thinking like, man, that felt like so long. And I literally remember I was on a school bus. I don't know what age I was, but I was on a school bus and I was calculating the age in my head and I was like all right I was born this year you know 2000 23 I'm gonna be 23 and I'm gonna be like oh snap and here we are 2017 and in eight days I'll be 40 B (laughs) you know what I'm saying like I'll be legit 40 years old and um Man, like, I just feel so invigorated, so full of life. I feel young. And I don't feel young and like, ooh, I want to be 25 again. I just feel, I feel appropriately, I don't know, because I don't know what it is. I don't know what 40 is supposed to feel like. I know what 40 looked like when I was 20. You know what I'm saying? It looked ancient to me then. You know, I remember what, because I say that because when I was 20, my mom was 40. You know, when I was 20, my stepdad was was 30. My stepdad is younger than my mom. My stepdad was 37. When I was 20, you know what I'm saying? Um, when I was 20, my, my real dad, my dad was, uh, uh, was probably 43, 44. You know, so here I am, 40, and... You know, I feel, it's not even like I feel young. I just feel vibrant. I feel fresh. Like, I feel, um, I feel unique in terms of I have the ability and I have the, the desire to engage with young people in their 20s and 30s and also the ability to connect with people in their 50s and 60s and being able to do it seamlessly in the same room. Uh, without losing myself to me that that is what life is about to me yo like you know I can go into any environment and not feel and not feel out of my element you know to me I think that's the benefit of being this age group I think you know a lot of us that are approaching 40 or in our 40s or even in that mid 30 range you know we start to feel like oh man because I'm getting up to this age, that means I can't do certain things. I, I can't listen to this kind of music. I, you know, I can't go to this kind of website. I can't go to this type of event. I can't go to the club. I can't go to this concert. And I'm like, why? I mean, now is like now is the time where you could like you have the benefit. Here, here's what turning 40 means to me in a nutshell. And I want to do my 40 episode next week because next week. 
it'll be like when I release my birthday will be tomorrow. But you know, for the, but forty, like you have the benefit of wisdom. To me, that's what it's all about. It's like for those of us that have kept ourselves up, that maintain a certain physical health, that you know takes care of our body, our brain, in whatever way. Like you have the benefit of. You know, if I wanted to go out right now and play a game of basketball, I could. But I had the wisdom to know that I can only play half of one game instead of trying to play four games. Um, You know, I know that I can go to a club and listen to music at extra loud levels and have a drink or two. But I had the wisdom to know that I can have a drink or two instead of a drink or five or six and come home belligerent. And, and and stay out and, and, and just get crazy where I know like, all right, well, you know, it's 1130. I'm going to go ahead and leave the club now. And, <laughs> you know, so whatever it is, you know, I'm using those as examples. But, you know, that that's what turning to 40 means to me. And, I, and I'm and I'm blessed, man. I, I'm not one of these people like, oh, man, I'm old. Like, yo, I tell you right now, I'm probably more hip than most 34 people you 34 age people you know 34 year olds I, i'm probably more hip than a lot of 25 year people you know 25 year olds and i don't mean hip in terms of what i dress or what i look like or you know what my haircut is or anything like that i just mean like you know just like worldly and i feel and i'm blessed and i feel good about that that i can go into any environment and have a conversation with the thuggiest of thugs or the prudiest of prudes or the most intellectuals of intellectuals or the most PhD people or the most high up people and be myself. And the same way I'm talking to y'all right now and say, yo, what up? And saying, yo, how's it going? Or, you know, I could do that and talk to the superintendent of schools in in D.C. or talk to the chancellor and be like, yo, what up, man? Give him a dap and still talk about, you know, how the the school system is hurting our black boys or how, um, you know, how the classroom needs to be modified to encourage black boys to be more interactive. And I could talk in both worlds and still talk to you about, you know, what Meek Mill should have did in his beef with Drake or what's going on with Soldier Boy and Chris Brown. Bow, bow, bow. And then I took his mask off and I was like, dang, I was like, bow. But like, I can still talk to you about all of that and feel good about it, not feel embarrassed and, and just be myself. So anyway, we're going to talk about that next week. Uh, but this week, you know, to make a dramatic turn, because that's how I do, um, you know, I, I wanted to entitle this episode uh, the feelings episode, but I think I had a feelings episode before, possibly. I'm not sure. Um, but it's just something that is something that uh, something that has been real to me in the past few months, something that I've recognized that I've noticed that I've become become aware of. I don't know. I don't know if it's the age thing. I don't know if it's always been there and I'm just more aware of it now. But over the holiday break, going into like, you know, Christmas time, Thanksgiving time, you know, I just found myself being a lot more emotional. And so anybody that knows me is probably laughing because I'm pretty emotional anyway. Like I'm pretty sensitive, I should say. I'm sensitive. So like, you know, the way I see it, and, and you know, the definition is like this with the sensitivity you feel and with the emotions emote you, perf- you you project. So 
if you're emoting something, that means you're showing it to the world. Like it's expressed, it's expressed to other people. And so I'm extremely sensitive, but I am uh, not very emotional. And I don't know if that's like, I feel like when I was a kid, I was a lot more emotional. Um, but growing up, I become less and less emotional. And I know some of that is like from my profession and going through grad school. I don't talk about my counseling experiences and I, I, I never forget one of my professors in grad school, we would be doing our individual counseling techniques. Our counseling techniques program was like the most amazing experience I had in academic all in all my life because <clears throat> it was literally about you know 10 of us in the classroom shout out to CSPA class of 2000 um college student personnel administration at James Madison University in Harrisonburg Virginia um our class of 2000 like we would uh in our individual counseling techniques class literally counsel each other and we would sit in the room with our professor and he would give us certain techniques about how to react and respond in different situations if you're in a one-on-one counseling or a group counseling situation. And, you know, he would do this, uh, he would do this, this technique or this, uh, it was, it's not an exhibit, I can't think of the word, activity in class, where we would be talking, engaged in a serious conversation about whatever it is, and he would turn on the TV without anyone knowing to the white noise channel. So it's you know, and it would be super, super loud, and everybody would jump, ah, you know what I'm saying, and, um, you know, he would just be like, look, if you're going to be a counselor, if you're going to be working with people, people are going to tell you the most outlandish things, people are going to be looking for a reaction from you, and, you know, there's, there's certain situations where you just can't react, where you can't react because your reaction is going to impact the behavior of whoever you're counseling or meeting with her. And so that little piece of advice has been so important to me in my career, you know, working with students, supervising people uh, in my marriage uh, as a father. Like if I were to react and emote and get emotional about all the things that happen, you know, with my kids, it just wouldn't be, you know, it, it would impact their behavior in a certain way, you know, because some of the things they do and say, you know, if I would be like, what, you know what I'm saying? It just wouldn't be right. So, um, but over the past few months, you know, I just found myself like feeling things more. And I don't know if it's because I, I think I'm, I think I'm repressed when it comes to certain feelings. Like I'm, I've shoved so many feelings down that there it's like bubbling, you know, it's, it's bubbling, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I remember being a kid and going to church and, you know, you would see people get the Holy Ghost or, get, you know, get really emotional um, in church service. You know, based on what the pastor was saying, things that they related to in their life. And I always remember, like, what's wrong with them? They need to get they need to get themselves together, yo. Like, you know, what's going on in their life that they are so emotional? What you crying and shaking for and yelling all over the church? You just want attention. Like, I remember being a child and thinking this, like, looking at, like, 
what's wrong with you? Or, you know, my mom, you know, in, in the service, she would start crying. And I'd be like, what the heck? What is wrong? Like, what is going on? Are you okay? You know, um, but, you know, and, and as I've grown old, as I've gotten older, you know, and I remember at JMU in college, we had a group, um, a very influential group in my life uh, called the Contemporary Gospel Singers, CGS. And it was an organization that I was a part of. Uh, and, it, it, you know, we were gospel. It was a gospel group, gospel singers. And we would get together every Tuesday from six to whatever. And that was our rehearsal. And that was my church. You know, and this was the first time that I remember seeing men, you know, grown, you know, college kids and grown men. To me, they were grown. They were old. I was 18, 17, 18, coming to this organization and seeing grown men praise God in this way. And I was like, yo, like, yo, people so emotional. here. Everybody would be crying, you know, and it, it was because there were people in this group in CGS that were so anointed. And there were people that were speaking, you know, about the Bible in, in ways that my young mind had. I hadn't embraced it as a young man. And I remember going there and getting emotional and crying because of something that somebody said. I remember the day I remember doing it. I don't remember what was being discussed at the time, but I remember being so emotional and we would have a praise and testimony time where people can get up and talk about, you know, uh, you know, situations where God has blessed them. And there was a saying, God is good all the time. And everybody would, you know, it was just, it was such an awakening for me because I was like, oh, I can express myself in this way. That was the, one of the only groups to this day as a 40 year old man where I felt comfortable emoting in that way and letting other people see me in that light. And I would say since then, like, I don't really emote like that. I don't really. And I find myself in situations now, even in church now, where it's like, I feel it so, like, I feel the spirit. I feel things, you know, especially with kids. Like, kids will make you feel things on a whole new level. You know, I see my, my wife talked about it all the time in some of her uh, her mommy blogs where there's a, there's this common saying where it's like motherhood is like, you know, taking your heart out and wearing it and, and letting it be exposed and people can have direct impact on your heart because literally you're wearing it on your sleeve like you wear it outside of your body. And, um, you know, parenthood, is, it's like that for moms and dads. And so, you know, there are times where my son will say something and I literally in that moment want to break down because he says something that's so profound or that makes me think of reflect on a childhood memory of mine or you know it'll just have me so much in the moment I'm like I, I, I want to just break down and cry like an ugly cry and I remember hearing people and I know I'm hopping around so follow with me I know y'all crazy like me so follow me I remember people saying, you know, sometimes you just need a good cry. Like, you just need a good, ugly cry. And I found myself in the last few months, maybe a few years even, just having those moments of wanting to ugly cry. Like, not wanting to, like, without being, 
nudged or without being prompted, but something happens in my environment where it's like you get that feeling where it's like, and I'm like, I'm holding it together, you know, because I don't want to emote. And I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know. Like, I mean, I know why. What am I talking about? I know why, because like crying ain't real. You know what I'm saying? You can't be real and be crying all over the place, man. I can't be crying in front of my kids looking all weak. Like that's my that's my um that's my counter narrative. That's like the narrative that I know is wrong, but the narrative that is real to me. You know what I'm saying? You can't be crying all what's wrong with you, you know, crying, you know what I'm saying, looking all weak and stuff, boy. Get your you stop crying, boy. Like, bro, you need to stop crying. Like that's in my head. That that's the narrative when I'm in church and the pastor says something or the or the the prayer and testimony group is singing and they're speaking to my soul and like I'm lumpy throat in a mug you know what I'm saying my throat is like gulp <laughs> you know what I'm saying um but it's like I don't so so it's like I'm 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 looking at myself and I'm feeling at the same time so I'm feeling it in the moment that I want to like ball out break down but then I'm looking at myself like why can't you just do it just break you know what I'm saying um I don't want to have to explain to the kids, why are you crying, daddy? I don't worry about it. I say, daddy's all right. You know, and I don't want to have to explain, you know, my wife, like, you okay? Like, I don't want that. Oh, I don't want that. I hate when I'm feeling, like, vulnerable in any way, whether it's sick or from under the weather or if I had a bad day at work and my wife hits me with the, you okay? Like, stop it. I'm fine, son. Urgh. I'm the Hulk. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's... Y'all be laughing at myself. I don't care if y'all laughing. Um, that's how I feel. Like, I don't want anybody consoling me. So I, it's so funny because I remember one time in particular, I got really, really drunk in college. It was actually my graduation night. And I was drinking tequila. I never drank tequila before. And I got really, really pissy, pissy, vibrato drunk, right? Um, and I got, I got drunk. And, you know, I got emotional, you know, like how you do. And you're a little belligerent. I'm sure I was. I can't remember the specifics. <laughs> Excuse me. But, you know, I was so drunk that I locked myself in the bathroom <laughs> in, my, in my apartment. You know, because, you know, I didn't want anybody to see me like that. So I'm like, yo, leave me alone. And I'm screaming, leave me alone. You know, you, I don't need your help. And my LB and my brother, uh, SK, shout out to SK, what up, boy? He was like banging, open this door. And he's like six, nine, five thousand pounds. He's like banging, if you don't open this door. And I'm like, shut up, shut up. <laughs> but because I, I think about why did I do that? I don't want people to see me emotional. I don't want people to see me emotional, uh, vulnerable and have to explain to them, you know, uh, you know, well, I was just having a moment. And here's the thing. I preach vulnerability all day, every day. I teach people the importance of being vulnerable and how important it is. And, you know, it's important to relationships. And here I am hiding and repressing all these emotions and it's a lot because lately you know I, I made fun of myself on social media I, I put that I just watched the movie Inside Out and if you watch the movie Inside Out it's a Disney it's a Pixar movie Disney I don't know I never they're all the same it's a, it's a Pixar movie that depicts a, a little girl going through you know just growing up and how her feelings develop and her feelings are played by these animated characters and they're represented by anger, sadness, joy, you know, I can't remember the other one. 
Um, and it just shows how, as a young girl, her feelings evolve over time, and her core memories are surrounded by, you know, her family, her friends, her hockey team, you know, and different memories about her childhood. And basically, as you get older, all those memories fade or they harden or they completely disappear. And there's this one segment where her imaginary friend, Bing Bong, R.I.P., uh, R.I.P. to Bing Bong, for real, um, <laughs> it shows in a very, in, in, a, in an animated way, but in a very real and poignant way, how her childhood memory, her imaginary friend, disappears from her memory. And it's a very emotional scene. It's almost like he dies. And I'm watching this movie. First of all, I'm watching the movie like, yo, this movie is real. Like, they need to do several college courses about Inside Out on its own and its impact in real life. But I'm watching this movie like with tears in my eyes about an animated character. And I'm like, who am I? You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, this is the wackest thing I've ever done. But I'm like, yo, Bing Bong was real. Like, it was such a powerful moment for me. Like, Bing Bong, RIP. But the fact that somebody drew him makes me feel a little whack. But anyhow, so I watched that one. And this is all over the holiday break. So I watched that one day. And the next day, my wife and I start watching Queen Sugar. Right. So if anybody hasn't watched Queen Sugar, it's a fantastic show about a family in the South in Louisiana that's going through, you know, uh, the, the the father dying. And then the family has to take over this sugarcane farm. Uh, and, and, and it's all about the family dynamics. And there's a lot going on. But in the first episode, they actually showcase you know they they introduce you to the father that passed away and then he he dies at the end of the episode and there's a moment where there's a young grandson that's coming in to see the father and the father and the grandfather passes away um and there was another moment where the 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 grandson the mother was a was was a drug addict and um you know it was just a lot of issues there and when i tell you i felt this in a way that was like I've never felt another TV show, another piece of art entertainment. I felt it so strong. And I was like, yo, what the, what the, what is going on with my eyeballs right now? And, and um, you know, it just, it, it, but I repressed it. You know, not, and my wife and I are watching. I think she was tearing up or whatever. She always tears up, but it's no thing for her. Um, you know, but I was watching and I was like, why am I repressing this? It was so good, like the TV was so good that it was like this deserves a tear. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, Bing Bong deserves a tear. You know, when you're at church, you're feeling those moments. It, you deserve to feel it. And I feel like, honestly, being sensitive is one thing. So, being sensitive is being awake or you know uh, aware enough to actually see those things and feel them. But I feel like. I'm losing out on certain aspects of my creativity by repressing these things. You see what I'm saying? Like, I feel like I'm cutting the process off by not all the way feeling these things out. So just feeling it 
and then suppressing it, like, don't emote, like, don't make people know how you feel about it, is not fully feeling it. And I'm and I'm starting to feel like, you know, being a creative and, like, doing the podcast and just engaging with people creatively, I feel like not feeling all those things is limiting my ability to respond to it or limiting my ability to be at one with whatever it is, whether it's music, whether it's art, whether it's TV, whether it's something I read, like... I have to be able to be confident enough in myself and vulnerable enough in those moments to let it out. And I don't know why, like, I don't know, because, like, I could just, like, psychologically, mentally, I know that I need to, that it's better if I do, that it, that it kind of, you know, it, it frees your soul a little bit. Um, but I don't, I just, it's, I, I know what it is. As I'm talking here, It dawned on me that what it is, is I don't like people asking me, are you okay? Because that, to me, uh, demonstrates weakness. Don't ask me if I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. There is never a time, if anybody in the world were to ever ask me if I'm okay, I will never, ever say no. Never. Because... I'm a man. And men, I don't know. I don't want to say you're weak, but there's other ways that you can say you need help by someone asking you, are you okay? And you say, uh, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I flipped it out. But basically, I will never, if someone were to ask me, are you okay? I would never say, no, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I will never say that. I will always say, yes, I'm okay. Even if I'm not. I will find other ways to get the help I need. (laughs) Besides in that moment saying, you know what? No, I'm not okay. That to me is just the weakest. And I know it's barbaric. I know it's like one-sided. I know it's very male and manly. uh, Or maybe not. I don't know. Or chauvinist or whatever you want to call it. But I will never say I'm not okay. Uh, And that's what I don't like about emoting. Because when you cry, when you show frustration, when you show sadness... Uh, even when you show anger sometimes, people come like, you okay? Like, don't ask me if I'm okay. You know what I'm saying? Whether I am or not, find a better way to ask me, are you okay? Uh, and that's really, the, that's really the main idea of this segment. I said in 2017, I'm going to try to keep the podcast shorter. Um, but uh, that, that's really what I wanted to talk about. I want you know, to engage people more in 2017 with the podcast. You know, so in the podcast, I will have... Uh, more guests this year, more guests, some more life. Shout out to Drake. Um, I will have more guests this year. Um, starting hope, maybe not next week because that's my birthday episode, but the week after, we going in, we interviewing people, we talking to people. You know, we're gonna get to the bottom of this thing in terms of you know this manlyhood, manliness. That manliness by not showing emotion, by someone asking you if you're okay and you being like, yeah, I'm good. You know, what I'm saying even if you're not. Um, so, yo, I will uh, I'll holler at y'all next time. Thank y'all so much for indulging me and listening to the idea of manhood. Uh, this is episode, I don't know, uh, season, I don't know, season two, episode 14, maybe. Uh, but thank y'all so much for tuning in. Uh, and I'll holler at y'all next time www.theideamanhood.com make sure you're rating and reviewing and you're sharing this podcast with the people that are important to you 
All right, I'll holla at y'all later. Peace of 2016. Hello, world. One.